Special thanks to Edward Blank, whose generosity makes this show possible. I'm Gina Green. I don't really read fiction, but I love a good story. I'm Lynn Harris. I live in and around journalism and comedy and culture change, and I am definitely more nearsighted than you. And welcome to A Bental Brief, the podcast, the newest home for the Forward's 115-year-old advice column, where we get to the heart of the matter with Jewish wit and wisdom. Here is today's letter. Dear Bintel, I'm an 81-year-old mother who wishes to speak on the phone with my long-distance children, ages 51 and 53, more than once a month. They appear to believe that, unless I'm sick or if their stepdad is ill, there's no need to call. I don't feel a one-line text or email is enough. When I call my son, I usually get his voicemail. And if I text to ask how things are, he'll reply, fine, or super busy. He finally called when I emailed that I felt he didn't want to communicate. My daughter calls more often, usually on her way to work. I recognize that they lead busy lives, but am I expecting too much? I've been a generous gift giver. Is it too late to turn things around? If there appears to be no interest in my well-being, shall I just live my life with my sweet husband, he was a good stepdad, and accept their indifference? I don't want obligatory homage. Hmm. Signed, frustrated and sad. It's just so sad. I mean, all she wants is a phone call. She's 81. For 53 and 51 years, she's been there. She has presumably changed diapers and kissed skin knees and put through college and grad school and perhaps held grandchildren. I mean, like, she deserves a call. She deserves a call. Right. There we go. All done. So all call done. your mother. End of show. Yeah. Send us all your questions. <laughs> you we'll repeat the number JK, again. JK. That's B-I-N-T-E-L at forward.com. <laughs> no, really, we're going to we're going to keep going. It feels like she's coming from a place of like strategy as opposed to communicating instead of trying to get it right or trying to make the right offer for engagement. It feels like there's room for a, a, just a conversation saying, hey, and, you know, the good old I statements like, hey, you guys, here's here's how I feel. I just would love to hear from you more. Yeah reading frustrated and sad's question and thinking about the transactional i've given lots of gifts to them so then that should buy me at least 26 phone calls a year right you know it's like there is there is some feeling of a debt owed but it doesn't feel like it's a covenantal debt. It feels like it's a, like for her, it's a transactional debt. I also think the covenant question, I think you're totally right. I, I stopped. I stopped. I screeched to a halt at the gift giving sentence, just like you did. Um, but in but also because it felt kind of out of place, you know, because she did just sound like I just want to talk to my kids. That's why I think she's in strategy mode. You know, she's just like what they know. I love them. I get like what you know, and I think that's why the covenant question is not so much how does it apply in this case. It's more of the framework that might be helpful to look at this question unless there's, God forbid, a situation where being in communication with a parent is intolerable right. or harmful or harmful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Intolerable because because of harm. Yeah, exactly. Then, you, yeah, you kind of are in a covenant with them. You kind of are. 
the obligation that is the structure of your relationship that is love. Like this is where obligation is love and love is obligation and not in a gross way. You know, I, I think about the last line of her letter. I don't want obligatory homage. Right. And that's I, I think that's one reason why she's been a little passive, you know, in terms of asking for what she wants, because she doesn't want to not get it. I mean, and it sort of sounds like she's resigned herself to that possibility a little bit. She Mm -hmm. doesn't refer to it in the most negative of terms, right? She says, if there appears to be no interest in my well-being. I know. (laughs) Right? Okay, so there's that. If there appears to be no interest in my well-being, shall I just live my life with my sweet husband and accept their indifference? Here in the dark. Alone. Alone. That was the other piece I wanted to address. There is a counter possibility. Therapists always suggest this thing of whatever you need to have happen, schedule it because it takes the disappointment and the hoping and the and the silence out of it. Right. Out of the equation. Because right. it tends to work for both sides. It tends to work for the want-er and it tends to work for the want-e because it's also pressure off the want-e. I know people who don't want to call people because they don't feel like they have the headspace to give them the time and love and attention they need in that call. So guess what? They don't call where the other person is like, I would love it if you just, I don't, I would love a, an emoji. That would be enough. You know, that happens in my family. Now my husband and his siblings have family chat on zoom every Sunday since um, my mother-in-law uh, contracted COVID last summer. So when she began to recover, they began doing exactly that, having a Zoom call, a family Zoom call. When the topic is calling your mother, there's really only two people we knew we needed to call to explore the deep themes at play here. It's the hosts of the Call Your Mother podcast. Shannon Sarna is founding editor of The Nosher, a content producer, and author of Modern Jewish Baker. She is a mother to three children, two rescue dogs, and a bunny named S'mores. Jordana Horn is a contributing editor to Cavaller. She is a journalist, lawyer, writer, mother of six. Thank you, Jordana. Thank you, Shannon, for joining us. Thanks for having us. I've never heard this question before in my life. I've never heard from a mother who is wishing her kids would be in touch more. So I'm so glad we have the chance to tackle this, 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 you know, one of a kind gem. Jordana, what do you think? There's a lot of backstory here that we oh. don't have. What do you think? My, my reaction is not like, oh, my reaction is like something happened here that these kids don't want to have a relationship with their mom um, because if they did, they would be calling. Like, there's, like, something underneath there. That's, like, my gut reaction. But um, uh, but also, like, as a person whose mom is not alive, I also want to be like, hey, call your mother. Like, what the F? Exactly. Take the opportunity yep. while she's alive. Right. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Whatever it is, let it go. It's also, it, it speaks to the expectations that we have about um, conversations. For example, I'm, I'm in a camp mode right now where I had to set out explicitly expectations of what I would like to hear in a letter from camp. 
Um, do not care what you are wearing. <laughs> I do not care. Um, I don't. I, I don't need an inventory of the items that are lost. <laughs> um, you know what I want to hear is I want to hear how, what makes you particularly happy or sad on a given day. In other words, quantity and quality, right? Because it sounds like. She's not very happy with even the one who is contacting her on a more regular basis because it feels kind of wedged in to the rest of her life. Um, you know, she calls on the way to work. And as someone who I, if anything, call my own mother too frequently. Um, but I will say that, like, when school is in session, it normally does happen when I've successfully um, jettisoned, slashed, <laughs> dropped <laughs> off a child, because that's my moment where I know that no one's going to interrupt, right? So in other words, she may be imputing some meaning, um, an unfortunate meaning to the time slot that her daughter selected. But the daughter still selected a time slot. <laughs> the daughter still said, I'm going to call mom, even if I am slotting it in, which actually brings me to a question about mothers and sons or daughters and sons. I'm curious if if y'all have any insight into that dynamic and how that may be at play here. I, I don't think that there, I mean, I, I think there is a stereotypical idea that like mothers and daughters are closer and like sons go off and leave. Um, and maybe it's because my my husband is the kind of man who, you know, has a lot of feelings. But I think in families where they foster really healthy relationships and lines of communication, I don't think gender is the issue. I think really the relationship is at the core. You know, my husband, he talks to his mom a lot. And um, I think that's a healthy thing. I think he would identify that as a healthy thing. And I know that when my mom was alive, she died when I was a teenager. But even as a teenager, like I wanted to talk to my mom all the time. And now I would talk to my dad more totally if he was interested in having more of communication with me. So I, I, I just, my, in my gut, I just feel like there's something else here at play that's impacting their desire to speak and whether it feels obligatory or not, like there's not that like anchored relationship at the mm -hmm. core here. And like, that's the issue. I'd be like, I think you got to address that. The flip side of what I said earlier is that when you're waving your expectations in the air, like a flag, um, it can be very daunting and intimidating for people mm -hmm. as opposed to accessible and welcoming. And I think that if you're trying to lay out the welcome mat, for conversations, then, you know, you, you got to kind of be happy with what you have. Um, and I think that's then, a really good point, Jordana. Thank you. And, you know, just build your way up from there because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think that there's such a thing as setting your standards to, to a point where people come in and they already feel frustrated and overcome. Like, I don't think I can ever meet your expectations. Um, and people don't want to be in situations where they feel like they can't possibly live up. People kind of do the opposite and they disengage right. rather than feeling that way. You know, maybe try to sort of like lower the volume on this internal monologue that you got going on and just listen to what's actually being said mm. rather than what you, you know, are reading into what isn't being said or when it's being said or all the, and this is so much easier said than done. 
I cannot get over. I mean, this this advice is really like, I might write it down and take it for myself. <laughs> I think it's such a good point about the expectations, but it also, the, the flip side of expectations is what is being offered. You may have an expectation of someone, of a family member, of a, of a son or daughter, but what is that person able to do, contribute, to give you in that vein? And not everyone wants to be on the phone every week. Even if you have a great relationship, some people don't like to talk on the phone. I'm very close to my son, Isaac, who's going to be going off to college in a couple of months. And I already know that getting him on the phone is going to be tough. Right, right. But I know that we we, we will still figure out a way. So that expectation, there's something about the expectation that we have of people we love and who we think love us and what they're able to give to us too, that I think is at play here as well. And I think you also, um, I think that we as parents in this moment right now, um, maybe, you know, depending on where you fall on the phone spectrum and when the phone came into your life, you may Mm. have a different relationship with texting Mm. depending on that. And texting is a thing that a lot of people would rather do rather than speak. You can have substantive communication. I still personally prefer texts with words as opposed to texts <laughs> only with emojis or, emoji. or memes, you know. But that being said, like, I, I admire the dexterity of my son's use of memes. Um, and I can only hope to one day attain that level of um, articulate... <laughs> articulate, whatever it is. I feel like I'm incredibly ill-equipped to address this topic because I feel like my family's so dysfunctional about communication. (laughs) I I mean, I I don't want to be like a broken record. (laughs) They're descending. They're communicating, Um, Shannon. They're communicating. Yes. They're they're calling you, see? They're calling you. I might have to pause for a second. Um, I think, like, for me, it would be at a, a, a rooted desire in wanting to speak, right? Like, I don't think it would be like a, like a system or a calendar where like every week, every other day, it would just be like a, I want to, I, I love you and I connect with you. So I want to talk to you. At schools, and they're like, oh, I wish I could just text Ella and be like, how's your day going? Or like, what do you want for dinner? I'm at the grocery store, you know? Um, and so because I, but right, it's like, I miss, her, even though she drives me crazy all the time, but like I have this like innate desire, like I want to to communicate with with my kids. I see that between my husband and his family members, like they genuinely like want to talk to one another, and so they do, right? Like it just happens. Um, whereas, like I see, there's like a phone call that gets made on Sundays to my grandmother at a certain time right? That feels like that's like obligatory. And like that, there's something like very sad to me in that. Like, I just want it to be like more organic and feel more like part of, you know, um, like love and warmth of like, yes, I'm so excited to talk to you. I just like, I want to reach out right now and tell you this thing or hear about your day, hear about your week from a place of like genuine um, interest and connectivity. I'm one of four siblings. Um, and, you know, different people are married and whatever. And so we have like, and my my parents have 14 grandchildren. And so in this, we have like a text chain where, you know, we'll be like, heads up, it's Eli's birthday. And everyone will be like, oh, like, 
man, I forgot. Like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> I'm his mother. Yes. Like, <laughs> I am. And of course, the birthday phone calls and certainly the singing are obligatory. Um, I believe that that's part of the contract when you when you give birth, that you're locked into this cycle of singing happy birthday to people on the phone who are related to you. By way of tangent, that the I think the best thing that ever happened was that my brother-in-law, we all called him, we sang happy birthday. And then he, rather than saying, you know, as a regular situation, a person would say thank you. He, in a dictatorial way, yelled again. And so my kids are like, okay. And so my kids just sang it again. And then he yelled again. And I'm like, what is happening? And so we were just locked into this cycle of violence of, of, of singing happy birthday over and over. So that's the obligation taken too far. It's like, the, yeah, the obligation taken into Olympic hockey territory. <laughs> More after this quick break. I'm Jody Rudoran, editor-in-chief of The Forward. Every day, my team of creative and passionate journalists works to understand and explain our complex and diverse Jewish world. To cover the rise in anti-Semitism, the changing discourse around Israel, the new trends in Jewish books, film, and food. We're carrying on a 124-year tradition of holding power to account and helping American Jews explore our identities. But we're doing it in new ways that work across generations. If you want to keep up with what American Jews are talking about, sign up for our free email newsletters. Just go to forward.com slash newsletters. There's also um, a theme running through this that's a little bit different. Here we have, and again, I was I was joking about this at the beginning, but here we have a presumably Jewish mother who wants her kids to call her. She is right in line with, first of all, humans, um, but also uh, the stereotype of the Jewish mother. You don't write, you don't call. I'm in the dark alone. I wonder, and I'm not making a commentary on this individual, um, I want to open up a conversation about what we actually I kind of am because I started to think about like first I laughed like, uh, you know, oh, it, you know, how long did it take us to get a, a letter from a Jewish mother whose kids don't call her, you know, but then I thought, wait a minute, why is that a Jewish stereotype in what world do in what, um, you know, culture are moms like, eh, they don't have to call. Well, what, what's the joke is like, you know, Jews are like everybody else, but more so, oh, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm Jewish and Italian, so I feel it's kind of like double. Um, yeah, it's um, not like your Italian. The mothers on your Italian side are like, yeah, you know, you, you can just text once a once a year. You know, I mean, no. In the realm of like the U.S., like it's almost like more like when you were children, grandchildren, you know, of immigrant, like it's immigrant culture more, right? Mm-hmm. Because I don't think of like, like waspy people as like being as kind of like warm and involved in each other's lives in the same way that like my Greek friends are, my Puerto Rican friends are like, right? Like we have more of that loudness and passion and connectivity like in common. I agree with you, Shannon. Like my mom is black. She's not Jewish. And she's like, she leaves me these voice messages Sometimes it sounds so sad. Like sometimes I'll call the house and I'll end up only talking to my dad, but not to my mom. And she'll find out that I talked to my dad and not her. And so I'll get this voice message. Ring, ring, ring. Please leave your message. Hello. It's your mommy. Call me. Click. (laughs) So it's like, I know. 
when Linda gets upset that I'm going to get one of those or that I, you know, and so it's, it is universal. It isn't just the Jews. I think that a lot of the Jewish mother um, baggage is actually a misogynistic way of characterizing Jewish women who want things for um, wanting to be controlling our own destinies. Who ask for things, right. Not being content to be um, shunted aside to one role. Yes. Um, playing a pivotal role in our homes and in our families' lives and extending beyond that to the workplace within, you know, more recent generations. I think it's sort of a way to belittle women. When we think about how stereotypes become stereotypes, right? Like there's like the sort of cognitive science definition of a stereotype, right? Our brain does things that needs to packet things into um, digestible amounts. And so stereotypes are a way that our brains do that. And then there's also, you know, popular culture and the ways in which it has been okay for women, for Black women, for Jewish women to be represented in books and film and on TV. And so we've gotten these one-dimensional characters that purport to be all of us. And they're not, like you said, it's all of the other (laughs) Jewish women and mothers who are actually who we all are. And so I think it's really important also to sort of indict, if you will, the system, (laughs) the patriarchy that allowed, that sort of gives us the content that we see, that gives us the images that we Um, digest and gives us the words that we read that project people from limited perspectives. Steering us back. Calling your mother always is the thing that you need to do. Is that like pretty much? I would put in the caveat that there are, there are abusive relationships, situations in which these do not apply. This is the general template. I mean, uh, I can't even go through the litany of ways in which maybe even the most perfunctory of phone calls to your mother would be painful and detrimental to your emotional health. Amen. Lightning round. Your kid's going to Stanford. How often, and setting aside their personal habits, if it were totally (laughs) up to you, if it were totally up to you, how often do they call you? I would say twice a week for me. I would say once a week because I like to set realistic expectations so I'm not disappointed. (laughs) Jordana? Probably realistically uh, that I would want four or five days a week because I would feel like it doesn't have to be every day, but just like drop me, you know, a smiley face. Right. In those cases, an emoji uh, is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Proof of life. Proof emoji. of life. <laughs> yes. Emoji. Proof of life emoji. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for. Shannon, Jordana, illustrious host of the Call Your Mother podcast. Thanks for joining us today to talk about calling your mother. We're going to play this for your kids. Perfect. No, thank you so much for having us. You're welcome. Something will shift if they have that one call where they can, you know, maybe not tell the whole truth, you know, like, mom, you're tedious, like might not be helpful. But but the (laughs) but the point is, I'm not saying she is, you know, but the point is, like, what will work for you? Um, And I do think they have an obligation. So what if she's tedious? She's your mother. You can handle it. It's like I was thinking about the Park Slope food co-op, which I love. Uh Uh-oh, I'm wading into I'm wading into controversial stuff here. But the point is, people are like, oh, I'd love to join the co-op, but I just can't do the work shift. And I'm like, okay, people. <laughs> I am not necessarily busier than you, but I have, se- I, I run my own company and I'm a consultant and I have two kids. Bah, 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 bah. You don't need to hear about my life. It's an hour and 45 minutes a month. <laughs> like you actually, and we both have 24 hours today and the president has time to jog. 
you know, like you, it, it's not that the shift isn't the problem, you know? So like in this case, like the, the 45 minute Zoom call isn't, if that's what it is, isn't the problem. Call your mother. Call your mother. Yeah. You'll live. Call your mother. Yeah. We're going to be answering your questions and queries and requests for advice every week. So please send them to us. That is how we can answer them. Give us the tea, the deets, every bit of info you feel comfortable sharing. Don't edit yourself. We can edit you. We want to read everything we need to know. We want to ponder. We want to discuss. We want to dig in. We want to do a close textual analysis because we are Jews. Most important, honestly, we just want to help. So please send your questions to bintel, B-I-N-T-E-L, at forward.com. Or even better, call us. Get out your pencils, because I'll give you the number in a second. The reason you should call us is that your voicemail could end up on the podcast. Here we go. It's 201-540-9728. I'm Rachel fishman Federson, publisher and CEO of The Forward. If you like this podcast... The best way to support it is to donate to The Forward. We're a reader-supported nonprofit, and we can't survive without you. Please go to forward.com slash donate today. This podcast is a product of The Forward. Our editor-in-chief is Jody Rudoran, and our CEO and publisher is Rachel fishman Federson. This show is produced by Wonder Media Network, and our producer is Ira Simonson. Our production assistant is Carmen Borga Carrillo. Our executive producer is Ginny Kaplan. Special thanks again to Edward Blank, whose generosity makes this show possible. <laughs>